Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your host, Steve Politi, and Rutgers insiders, Keith Sargent and James Cratch. Let's start shopping. Hello, everybody. Steve Politi from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome back to the Rutgers Rant. I, I want to offer my condolences to all Rutgers fans about... Last night's game, that was awful. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Uh, Houston, 63. Uh, Rutgers, 60. That score does not sum up what happened. Obviously, uh, just to, to, to let you know, I am still in Indianapolis. James Cratch is back home in his Marstown apartment. Keith Sargent, where, where are you on the planet right now? You're, you are making the trip back. Currently, where would you be? I'm in uh, Pennsylvania, right outside Pittsburgh, driving back. I left at 6 a.m. and okay. making good time. Uh, just as a, you know, uh, I, I share in your in the condolences to the Rutgers fans, just so that they know, um, had they won the game, it was going to be me, Politi, uh, Brian Fonseca, a photographer. We're going to get crashed aboard. We're going to have the whole gang drive back out to Indianapolis for, for the Sweet 16. Politi was really looking forward to making this drive. Oh, That's boy. That's probably, you know, what he's more sad about than anything else. Yeah, I would have been sitting in the trunk of the car. But, I was, but this is the thing, sorry, that I was, I was certainly prepared to make the drive. And I, I, I we're going to say up, up front, obviously, we were, we're not a great – if the sound's not perfect this episode, please forgive us. We're all in different places than we usually are to get that out of the way. But I was ready to make that drive. And, and we were walking out of – out of Lucas Oil last night, and we were having the conversation that you only have with Rutgers, which is the was this the most dis, you know discouraged the awfulest loss in Rutgers history? Uh, and you had talked me into the idea that it wasn't. I mean, remembering the West Virginia football game in two thousand six, you know, when they had a chance to go to the Orange Bowl and lost in triple overtime. Remembering the Louisville game a few years later when they also had a, a BCS bid on the line and, and you know and lost to Teddy Bridgewater on one leg. And I agreed with you at the time. I'm here to tell you, <laughs> I've changed my mind. Uh, and this is what I kept on coming back to as I was thinking about it last night. And this, this kind of lost even woke me up a couple times. Um, it, it really was – those two football games, I, you know, I thought they had a chance to win. I never thought they had, had won the game. This game I really did when it was nine points with five minutes to go. I thought Rutgers had won. I mean, I was like, all right, well, we're back here. Well, let's start writing. This is, you know, this is a you know, program-shaping win, sweet 16, chances at the final four, the whole kit and caboodle. And, Cratch, you're watching this thing on TV. Did you also feel at that point that this game was won? Yes, I, I did. And what was so incredible to me was I was sitting there th- – when the game started, I was like – Oh boy, like Rutgers is going to lose by 30 points. Like this Houston team is just they they are playing at a level. They are something that Rutgers has not seen. I and I thought the only way that Rutgers is going to win this game is if they just jack up threes and everything goes in. And then they, you know, Houston kind of just went cold and Rutgers was gritty and they were tough and they took a punch and they got in there and I was like this is going to be one like this is going to be one of the greatest victories in the history of the school because this was a team that, that they, they battled back, they hung in there, and now they're going to beat this team that's unraveled by nine points with Giroux and the hip pointer. And then I actually I, – I was not – I was out of the room for a second. You know, I think I had to, like, give the dog food or something, and I missed the missed dunk. So I got back, and I got, saw that on Twitter, and I was like, oh, this is turning now, isn't it? And then bing, 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 boom. 
Yeah, there was a lot of bigs, a lot of booms. That's for sure. The missed dunk, I can, you know, you can understand that. That the things happen in a game, and I, you hate to to put a lot on that. But obviously, if Miles Johnson makes that dunk, this is a different game. But the thing that I stick with, Sarge, and we were talking talking about this walking out of the stadium. I mean, there must have been fifteen plays. I mean, just a, a series of rebounds. Uh, you know, Jacob Young turns the ball over uncharacteristically. You know, there, you know, Caleb McConnell jacks a three pointer that you're just, you know, what is that? What is that shot? You know, there's just a series of things, little missteps where, where uh, throughout the course of that last five minutes where you just, if one of those, any one of those goes the right way, well, this is a different game. That's how you lose a nine-point lead, Sars, right? I mean, that, that's it. That's how it slips away. Yeah, and I, I broke it all, all down and, and going back to it because you, you know how, how it is when you're writing and you're, you're, you're really not processing the game to go back to it and, like, to look at the play-by-play. It really boiled down to about 10 plays, to be honest with you, which just was um, if any of those go Rutgers away, it might be a different outcome because, look, 24 seconds to go, that's when Houston took the lead. Um, it just was, you know, just the, what, what it really boils down to, too, is, you know, I, I thought that uh, Teichel did get a little conservative with about five minutes to go in the game, try to take the air out of the ball. Um, I think he kind of coached it like he did against Clemson. If you remember against Clemson, he told his team in the huddle, without uh, four minutes to go, we have enough points. Defend, defend, defend. You know, this time it was defend and rebound, and they just, you know, too many second-chance points, especially the late, you know, you know, the one thing about Houston is, you know, they were a scary team on the, uh, you know, on, on, on the boards. They did a great job. Rutgers did a great job in the first half on it, and just in the second half it just became too much. Yeah, and you mentioned that last that last sequence. Even then, I have to say, you know, they, they, okay, Houston goes up, it's you know, sixty-one sixty. There's twenty-five seconds on the clock. Uh, even then, I'm thinking, all right, well, this this has just changed from, you know, an easy Rutgers victory to this dramatic moment for Geo Baker again, the you know the greatest late game shot maker of his generation. And I think I don't know, Rutgers fans would have been okay if. If he if he got in there, if he took a, one of his you know fade fade away jumpers and it hit the rim, because our, at least you had your best guy in position with the ball to make a shot to win, and if it goes in, it's it's just bedlam. If he misses, that's it's, that's the NCAA tournament. The fact that he lost control of the ball, I would I mean just you just devastated for the kid. And he said after the game, like I've made that I've made that move a thousand times. That's the first time I've ever lost it. A million. A million. A million. You said a million yeah. times. Yeah. I just, you just, I mean, good Lord, Cratch. You know, you see that. And then, even then, they have another shot come down the floor. Ron Harper Jr., I know, that's a good look. You know, it's, that's a shot he's hit before. That one hits off the side of the rim. It's just a devastating series of things at the end of that game. Yeah, it was just like a chain of disaster. It was like one thing led to another, led to another, led to another, and then here you are. I, I thought it was a good look. You know, Gio, I, I, in that moment, I, there was no doubt in my mind that Gio was going to hit the shot to yeah. win the game. I just thought, you know, like, obviously, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but like, I, I had just been told, you know, found out that Joe Boylan had passed away. I'm like, okay, this is like, this is how, this is going to be kismet. He's going to drill this shot and they're going to go, you know, and the crazy thing now is like looking, not to put salt in the wound, but like they would have played this game at Hinkle. Yeah. If they had won, and if Syracuse and Bayheim, like everything was lining up, and then you know, but that's that's March Madness. I mean, it's it's a crapshoot in so many ways, and the one little outlier gets you, and and that's what happened when Gio lost the ball. Yeah, let's let's talk about Joe Boylan very really quickly, and 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 you know, just a devastating moment for uh, Rutgers athletics. This is a guy, and I don't know if your fans know him or not. Have a chance to meet him. Um, you know, just heard every time everyone I talked to said the same thing: the nicest guy in the world, and he really was. And there was a time, you know, when going to the rack uh, over the last few years was just absolute drudgery. You know, with Daddy Jordan's teams, you didn't want to go. People didn't want you to be there. Everyone tried to have a friend. You knew they were going to lose, and you would walk in there, and there's Joe Boylan. Just this, the one person on earth you're happy to see because he had he had a story to tell, a smile on his face, ask you about your, you and your family. I mean, the number of people who have who have reached out to me after I wrote a column about it, just to do, about him, just to tell the story about how Joe Boylan made an impact on their lives. Uh, you know, for him to, it looked like he was going to rally at a stroke on Wednesday. 
Uh, looked like he had, you know, he still couldn't speak, but he 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 was going to make it at least as, with the thought. Then there were some complications, took a turn for the worse. Uh, died before the game. Steve Peichel. Uh, did not tell the team until afterward, which is certainly understandable given all that was going on. So, you know, just a devastating moment, Sarge. Not only does he have to walk into that locker yeah. room, their careers are over. Yeah. Now he's got to, you know, the, the players knew him. They traveled with him. They sat on the bus with him. They loved this guy. And just to echo that, I mean, I've known the guy for, you know, I knew, knew Joe for 15 years. I, I, I remember just the amount, I, you know, as you know, like he just, I, I, I pride myself on trying to get some as much, you know, historical perspective and stuff. I remember talking to him probably about 15 years ago for a story and kept a good relationship all, you know, all, all that time. One of those guys where you call, uh, even if it's just for, for, for a story and you need one quote, you're, you're going to carve out a half hour because you know, you're just going to you know, uh, listen to him. You're just going to, you know, you're going to, you're just going to, you know, pick his brain on stuff and, you know, just, you know, what everyone's saying is true as nice of a, of a man as you'll ever meet. Um, and look, the, the, the one thing where we're, we're related to the team, this is a guy who traveled, you know, this season they haven't really traveled. The radio crew, Jerry Recco and, and Joe Boylan have been doing, you know, a good majority of games. Now keep in mind, he did go to the Minnesota game. Like, you know, March 6th, you know, uh, uh, Joe Boylan and, and Jerry Recco were, were on the road with the team. And yeah. you know, for the last, you know, five years, they've been on the road with the team. You develop bonds and, and, you know, bus rides and all the other things that, you know, you, you forge relationships. You know, Geo Baker talked about, you know, just, you know, you know, learning from Joe. Just, you know, the, the, the team definitely took it hard. Right. Yeah. And that, that was a great point, Crash, just about, you know, you thinking about storylines and what it would mean, just what that would have been for, for Gio to hit that shot with, you know, in the memory of Joe Boylan. It was just seemed like it was setting up for that. Um, yeah. I mean, just... the, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, Joe was an assistant on the last Rutgers team that made the Sweet 16. And I remember talking to him for a story, and he said, you know, if they don't lose that, you know, they lost to St. John's in the Sweet 16 on a hook shot. They had beaten the Johnnies twice in the regular season. And he's con- he was convinced that if they get past St. John's, they would have mopped the floor with Penn in the regional final, and they would have been back in the final four. Right. Wow. And who knows what would have happened after that. So, like, that would have loomed over it. I mean, no, just to echo what you guys said, like, I, I-, I wrote that story a couple years, a year ago, all runs the air now, about that tie game at Madison Square Garden with the Chinese national team. <laughs> and I talked to several people about that, and, like, the memories were there. They kind of remember – Joe, not only do you remember everything about the game, th- then we talked to, like, 10 minutes about, like, the geopolitical situation of China yeah. in the 1970s. He was an incredible man, so worldly, uh, just – so so tragic, so awful to lose him like this, and I can I can I can't imagine, you know what as you said what Steve Peichel had you know first off he had to coach the game right he's friends they're fr- good friends yeah right good friends knowing this and then to break it to those kids I mean just just a a, a tough it was just cruel that's the best way I can put it right yeah all right well. Uh, well, 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 real quick, uh, just as it relates to basketball, because we'll talk about this. Let me ask you this, Steve. Like, uh, do you think in some way, you know, it makes it a little bit easier for the team, to, the players, Geo Baker, namely, and, and Ron Harper, who missed the final shot, to kind of process the loss better, that, you know, there's more to, you know, the, the you know, um, life than, 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 you know, the, you know, the game. I mean, it, it just is in any way, are, you know, do you think they'll be able to process it uh, better and be able to kind of move forward and maybe from a big picture standpoint not let this loss linger? You know, that's a great question, Sarge. I mean, I, I, maybe in the long run, there's, it's so close to it right now. It just seems like you just got it just pi- a pile of misery. You know, that's, what, that's the way I felt about it. Like, you know, it, it, it's, it, it, I don't know that it makes it easier. for you've been, they, invest, they invested so much time in, into that team. Uh, that was their opportunity. That was their shot. That was their one shining moment. You know, they, they knew it wasn't going to happen. I, 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 have, I have to feel like, uh, you know, there, there's just, two, you know, it's just multiple layers of grief. Kratz, do you agree? I do. I, I think, I think someone tweeted us that Kenny Smith said like, you know, there are games in his career where he just losses where he, he just never watched. Yeah. This is not one that, anyone in that team's ever going to pull the tape up on. Right. Right. Uh, and the second, and the other part about that, and we haven't, we haven't gotten into this yet. Uh, you know, we talked about missed opportunities. Uh, you know, the sweet 16, 
when you get there, now you have an entire week. You the game went until Saturday. It was just going to be a, you know, a Rutgers palooza of attention, of, of, of you know, stories written, of you know, they saved the program. Go back to 1979. You know, it's be, they were going to be the Oral Roberts of the East Coast, essentially. You know, and the fact that you're playing Syracuse would have added just another layer to this. This game would have been just you know, hyped up for an entire week. And then if you look at, I mean, this is really the other, the other worst part of the many worst parts. Look at the teams left in this region. Eight seed Loyal, of course, they look better than that. But 12 seed Oregon State, Syracuse, you already beat them. Of course, you didn't beat them. You didn't have McNamara's kid. I'm sorry, you didn't have Baham's kid. But still, they're an 11 seed. They're certainly not an unbeatable team. It's not crazy, Cratch. I mean, if, if they had gotten there, that's a puncher's chance to get to the Final Four. No, no doubt. It's almost like I remember last year before the tournament got canceled. I remember thinking if they can get a draw where they're in the East region and they're, and they're, they somehow get through and they go to New York, this team is going to the final four. And I feel like it could have been a similar situation with the teams there and the fact that, you know, tickets, Rutgers fans were going to start to get, like, if they were in the elite eight, the place was going to be a Rutgers crowd. Yes, it was. Yeah. You know, so I just, yeah. I mean, look, I think this is this one of these things that it's, James right. Like you never get over this, you move on at some point, but you never get over this. And it's always going to gnaw at, at everyone associated with Rutgers. I think what could have been. All right, let's dive into true or false guys. Uh, and this is going to be a themed true or false. Um, you guys know the rules. Let's do it. True or false. Geo Baker will return next season. James Cratch, true or false? I'm going to say true. Whoa, all right. That's a curveball. Cratch, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's true or false? False. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. False. True or false? Miles Johnson will return next season. Cratch? False. Wow. Okay. Sarge, what do you think? False. Yeah, I am. I'm there with the false as I well. Think I, I think they're tied together, and I think you know Miles Johnson is you know, has more on his mind than his basketball. I think. Yep. Yeah. He already said he's applied to, to multiple uh, schools for engineering. So I mean, I, you know, this is a kid who obviously, you know, it, it goes beyond uh, basketball uh, decisions. I think you know he has something, you know, in his mind. True or false? Montez Mathis will return next season. Cratch. False. You think he's gotten all right, Sarge? True or false? True. Uh, I'm with you on this one. True. I I, I think he's going to be back. He, he he sees the opportunity for playing time now. Uh, true or false? We're missing someone who's not going to be back next season. Cratch. Is there someone here on this roster that we're just not seeing that's going to leave? I'll say false. I I, I can't think of anyone because I, I don't like if if Ron had played the way he did early in the season, he would have a chance to right. go to the NBA. But like I don't I don't think that door is there for him right now. Agreed. Sarge, you're talking you're talking about like the core rotation eight guys, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, I um, guess so. Yeah. Who? Um, I'm gonna say true only because it's it's topsy turvy, and we can talk about that, you know, big picture okay. going forward. But nothing would surprise me as far as turnover. Wow! All right. True or false? Steve Pitko will add an important piece in the transfer market. Cratch. True or false? True. Sarge. True. Yeah, I think it's going to be free agency out there. I agree with that. That'll be true. That's what it is. That would be yep. Yep. True or false? Rutgers will make the NCAA tournament next year. James Cratch. False. Sarge. True. Wow. All right. Uh, I'm going false as well on that one. True or false? The Big Ten was the most overrated conference in college basketball history. Sarge. <laughs> true. <Ooh. or> false? <laughs> so I know it's a popular opinion to say true. Uh, but I'm going to say false. False? All right. Perhaps. I will also say false. All right. Yeah, that's an, that's an overreaction, guys. There's been a lot of conferences who have had the same thing, so I will say false as the, well. The NCAA tournament is a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. Yeah. It, it, it completely is, and, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I think it's false. Right now, the, the, right now, some, uh, emphasis on the word crap, however, for the big time. All right. Uh, finally, for crap only, true or false, given the choice of driving back immediately with Sarge or flying out the next day, you would have spent 12 hours in the car. True or false? I would 
would say I probably would have taken 12. I haven't seen Sarge in over a year. I probably would have taken a 12 hours. Yeah, I, I spent a year with Sarge this weekend alone, so that's kind of that's part of the reason I think I, I'm still here in the hotel room. Um, uh, I, I did say, what did I, what did I tell you, Politi, uh, you, know, you know, when we said our goodbyes at midnight last night? I said, Steve, you know, I've known you for a long time, 20 years or so. There's no one I'd rather be on the road with. But, you know, if I don't see you until September, I'm not going to really uh, cry about it. I wore you out pretty quickly. That was good. Uh, five days, I completely wore you out. That's great. My wife is thinking, I, I understand, Sarge. Well, we, we, we've been we, – we were, you know, in uh, Indianapolis for the Big Ten tournament, went back yeah. home, went back. But here's the thing. Like, the, the players were there for 12 days. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, a couple you – know, one reporter asked both uh, Baker and Teichel, whether in some ways, you know, are you almost glad that it's over? Because and what they were getting at was, you know, just how tedious and, and yes. brutal the bubble was. And, and, and folks, you know, we had heard there's been a lot of stories written about it, but you have to understand, like, none of these guys saw, like, outdoor. They got no fresh air whatsoever. Like, the NCAA set up, like, the minor league ballpark. They put up a couple of badminton courts and maybe played, uh, like, flag football. The players didn't really participate in that. Everyone was completely spent of the bubble, and, oh, yeah. and Rutgers had spent 12 days. So, in some ways, and look, they they would have done anything. They would have be playing in the Sweet 16. That's not what I'm getting at. But at the same time, you know, being in Indianapolis for for 12 days, not being able to leave your room, not being able to get fresh air, you know, it wears on you. I don't think it's any question it contributed to some of these upsets, Cratch. Some of these no. teams look at this and said, "Thank God I'm out of here." No, <laughs> and the the other thing I was thinking about too was, and I want to make this clear, like it's not a knock on these schools, but you know, you have these big, you have these power five, big 10 programs that have been testing every day and isolated in a bubble. And they're playing teams from these mid-major schools that be for financial reasons, for geographic reasons, because they're yeah. in parts of the country that aren't as COVID, you know, thoughtful as others. They haven't, maybe they've had a normal season in a way. You know, I'm not saying, you know, the kids at Oral Roberts, well, definitely not the kids at Oral Roberts going to kegger parties, you know, after the game. But, like, if all your fellow students are on campus and you're only testing twice a week and there are fans in the stands, you might have a little bit more juice to get to this point than the guys who have been playing in empty arenas in right. this horrible Groundhog Day existence for months without seeing anyone. That, absolutely true. So one more, one, one more. So one more inside baseball. So Pikeville, after the, the Clemson game, game ends at uh, midnight, right? I mean, you know, you, you know, twelve thirty or whatever. He probably leaves the building around one. Uh, goes right to work uh, to, to break down the film. You know, that's what coaches do. You know, you know, you, you know, that's kind of what, what his job is to kind of prepare for the next game. I get it, but got no sleep. You know, he, you know, he talked about it. I talked to you know someone inside the program on on like Saturday night, and they said basically. You know, Pikeville was, you know, on like, you know, probably like a 36-hour binge without sleep, uh, without fresh air. Just they, they, they told him, you got to go outside and take a walk. Basically, he had to go, you know, step outside, go to the minor league ballpark, you know, kind of like almost prison, like that scene and you know, that, that you get 30 minutes in the yard. I mean, you know, that was the way it was painted to me. So, you know, again, to reiterate, you know, it wasn't easy on, on, on the coaches, on the players, but, you know, I, you know when, you, when you hear that, you yeah. just – you, 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 it was a, a, an NCAA tournament unlike any other. All right, let's go through next year's team, guys. And then, you know, I, I, you'll note when I, when I was doing the true or false, I did not have Jacob Young on there because yeah. it's, it's, it's absolutely clear. And it's been clear for a long time. If you've been, if you've been pay, even paying a little bit of attention, Jacob Young's 24 years old. He's not, he was he not going to come back. He graduated, he graduated a year ago. A year yeah. ago. Yeah. He wasn't going to come yeah. back for another year. Nor, nor should he. You know, you've got a window now. His father, I uh, talked to his parents, and his father, you know, only played three years in the NBA, but had like a 14-year professional career overseas, you know, made some money, traveled the world. I think that's probably what's going to where Jackie Bill's headed. He's ready for a change. Good for him. He, he, he's, he's earned it. Uh, the Geo Baker thing to me is fascinating. And I, I, I know you said true, Cratch. I want to hear why. To me, though, I just see a guy who's, you know, who, who's given everything he's got to it, who, who, you know, who made his impact. I mean, what does he, what does he have to gain to come back, especially when he knows how hard it is to get here? You know, the reason why I said true was just, you know, and the story I wrote, the reporting, I got the feeling that he really hadn't made a decision. And I think that Gio is a guy who has a small circle, but those people mean everything to him. 
And I just, you know, and a lot of his circles at Rutgers, Pike Gold, TJ Thompson, you know, his mom is close. I just, so for me, it was the way Gio re- reacted. And look, that could just be emotion in the moment. You know, it's entirely possible that it's a situation where if you would, if you had told Gio, like, you have to make a decision right after this game, he'd be like, I'm coming back. I, I, I have unfinished yeah. business. But then by Friday, he might be like, okay, like, you know, everything calms down. Just the fact that, you know, it just seemed like maybe he was leaning that way. It wasn't giving it up in that press conference. And I think that if, you know, like the other thing too is if the NIL stuff passes and I think the NCAA after this disastrous, you know, couple of weeks is going to have to get it done. Geo Baker is going to, he is the most marketable major sport Rutgers athlete by a mile. The other thing too, I think Sarge is right. If Miles says I'm coming back, I think maybe Geo comes okay. back. Yep. If Miles is gone and, you know, then maybe Geo's like, okay, like I'm moving on. But if Miles comes back, I think they can make the NCAA okay. tournament. All right. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, uh, Kraft is right. I mean, uh, two things. One, Geo Baker hasn't experienced, you know, for a year, like the big man on campus. He's so popular on campus, and he knows that. Like, you know, if we are go back to some normal normalcy and get fans back in, He'll get the experience, and that's, that, that would be what, what maybe Pipe can sell him on is, look, you know, you come back, you get the experience what, you know, being a, you know, the, the big man on campus is, is all about because he's so popular on campus. That's one. Two, he's, at, he's been at the forefront of this NIL stuff. He's very uh, close with, with Isaiah Livers of, of Michigan. Um, both of them have been at the forefront, of, you know, with Ramogi Huma and the um, and the, and, and the uh, you know, College uh, Players Association. So maybe – you know, he becomes almost like the, 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 the front man with that. Like, you know, maybe, you know, he, it becomes his mission. He comes back and says, I'll give it another run. And he becomes, you know, he, he's in college to, to kind of, you know, speak out about it. What can Geo Baker make, Kratz? If he stays here, you have, you have the NIL. I mean, well, how much money are we talking about, you think? You know, that's a great question. I know I pulled up an Axios thing, and they said with like a, a – so and like Axios had some firm kind of project it. Yeah. And there were some, you know, prominent like all-American caliber women's basketball players who they projected could make six figures, uh, like half a million dollars with social media ads. I tend to think, you know, look, Geo's not going to do a Dunkin' Donuts commercial like Eli did. Like, that's not going to happen. But I think Geo's social media, he has a following nationally now. Like, he can make money. I mean, there's a lot of money being made. It sounds silly and trivial on Instagram ads, right. on TikTok ads. I think he could do that. I, hey, you I know, know a PR Hell, firm I would in say, Virginia, right? A PR firm in Virginia that probably would exactly. happen. Exactly. I would I say, that. you know, another thing I thought about in this NIL world, and I think Pete Thamel had a great tweet about this. NIL is going to completely change the media college sports existence because you can't tell freshmen they can't talk to the media or oh it's a bad loss no one gets to talk to reporters that doesn't work anymore so i would say for instance if nil happens eli got paid to go on the fan geo i'm just saying rutgers rant we can work something out i'm like imagine that (laughs) Like the starting quarterback at Alabama has a Monday spot on fine bomb every week. And there's not a damn thing Nick Saban can do about it. This is a three band podcast crash. So are you advocating maybe we get, we get rid of Politi for this? I mean, you, uh, Geo, Sarge, and, and Crouch? Uh, wow. We could do that. Like, we could just do like a, a – so, I I don't like – look, I think <laughs> Geo could Gio make – Geo Baker, and I get it. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah like, no, I, I think Geo trade. Baker could make six figures probably. That would be yeah. – yeah. that, that, hey, that would change the dynamic of it, certainly. I don't know if NGM has the – you know, NGM Advanced Media has the budget to, to, to pay Geo six figures, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're already paying – they're already paying Politi six figures, so I mean, you know, they're not going to be able to pay them all. Especially after what we after what we ate at St. Emily's this week, the budget's gone. Uh, all right, so let's break it down. Let's say, for the sake of argument here, that both of them leave. Um, if both of them come back, I think you're right. This is into their return team. Of course, you have experience deep. You got the best, one of the best centers in the league, one of the best guards. If both of them leave. All right, so your lineup, obviously, Ron Harper Jr., I think he's going to stay. You plug him in. He is a, you know, all-conference performer. That's one. Let's say Montez Mathis comes back and develops. He was a great player early in the year. Perhaps starters minutes make him a, a, a good cog. Paul Mulcahy is a starter. You know he's going to be back. Caleb McConnell, I think you saw flashes of what that kid can be, uh, certainly. And, and, you know, 
uh, in, in the way he played with, uh, you know, double, the double-double against Clemson. Cliff at center, another good piece. You got to figure that he's, he, would need, he would need some more uh, time to develop. And then you wonder, like, what you have on the, uh, on the bench, you know, on Palmquist. You, you just, you know, who are these guys who are going to come in and, and make a difference and, and step up? And what about the freshmen that are coming in? Obviously, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hype about a couple of those kids. Where is that team, Cratch? What, what do you, what do you, where's, what, how many Big Ten wins does that team get you? I think that team probably has like six to eight Big yeah. Ten wins. And, you know, if you, if you add a shooter from the portal, if you add a big man, if, you know, Dean Ryber, I mean, I, we kind of forget, but like Dean Ryber, like, showed some stuff against Luca Garza in that first Iowa game. That's you know? true. Hung in there. He was tough. If those guys develop, you know, like, I think, I don't think Rutgers is ever going to be like a, like they might finish with a losing record, but I don't think they're ever going to be like a horrible team going forward under Steve Pike. Well, I think they're going to be a NIT ish team where if everything falls right, maybe they're, you know, they're on the bubble and they're in the hunt in late February and March. But I think they're, Right now, I would say this is a team that probably is, you know, six to eight, you know, wins in the Big Ten, and but they'll have a winning record because Pike will schedule smart in a non-conference. Sarge, you thought they're going to make the tournament, so do you disagree with that? Then I guess I do. I, I again, I think uh, first off, Pike was good at developing. We we get that. You, you mentioned Reber. Um, I'm kind of intrigued to, to, to see how he develops some of the the younger kids. I think Paul Mulcahy will will take a step up. I mean, he he. You know, really uh, played really well in the postseason. Uh, Cliff, I'm intrigued about, about by him. But again, I think the free agency aspect of it, guys, like we have no idea what's in store. He's going to be able to. He has a lot to sell now. Uh, you know, making the NCAA tournament for real. You know, really, they should have made it obviously a year ago. They, you know, the facility. This is not the Rutgers that, that yeah. we, you know, we've covered before. We're talking about, like, we, you know, again, it's going to go on a tangent, but follow me here. Uh, everyone's talking about, like, Indiana. Like, why is Indiana kind of – and people are like, well, no one cares about Indiana's tradition. Well, you know what? No one cares about Rutgers' bad tradition. So, I, you know, now, now they have success under Peichel. You know, he's a proven coach. They had the facility. Um, you know, everyone knows that there's going to be free agency. Transfer portal is going to be loaded. You know, who knows? I, I, I think that he's going to be able to build on it. All right, guys, let's dive into some insider questions here uh, to, to keep it going. As always, ng.com slash insider. I really appreciate you guys subscribing and sticking with us and contributing to the podcast each week. So uh, a lot of good ones. This was my favorite one. And so the histor- historical one for, for the two of you. In terms of momentum-changing moments in a huge Rutgers game, was the Miles Johnson miss dunk and ensuing three-pointer by Houston bigger than the illegal man-down field call in the 2012 Rutgers-Louisville game? Uh, great question. Obviously, if you don't remember, Rutgers scored a touchdown on the play to go up, I think, 24-3 in Louisville. Um, I would have been – I think they would probably would have won that game. Instead, it was called back and – I think it's important to remember it wasn't just that it was called back. It was that then uh, Kyle Flood punted from his own 30-yard line to give the ball back uh, to Louisville and not even, not even try again for, for points. What do you think, Cratch? Is, is, that, is that dunk, miss dunk, three-pointer bigger? I do think it's bigger just because – and I've always said this. I know football is the sport that ever you know, the number one sport. The cash – like basketball – in my opinion, in terms of like breakout moments, iconic, you know, brand building is just so much bigger. Like a sweet 16 is worth a lot more than a big East football championship and a trip to the, you know, Fiesta Bowl, in my opinion. Right. Sarge, you agree? What, 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 what about James Townsend? James Townsend. Yeah. Wow. That's, a, that's almost the equivalent. Uh, both, I mean, both of them are, are pretty uh, big momentum uh, changers. I get it, but Townsend happened so much later in the game, and you know that that to me, if they if they if Townsend catches that ball in the end zone, Rutgers wins the game against uh, West Virginia, and they go to the Orange Bowl. And I agree with you, Cratch. You know, and, and but in 2006, the, the college football was a different landscape. Rutgers goes to the Orange Bowl that year. As you know, it's perceived to be a whole lot different than than that. Oh, you know, no that to me is that that to me is bigger than the Miles Johnston play. That was a killer, but we, we see all the time, like, those types of uh, plays in a game, you know, you know five-point swings or whatever. 
Uh, there, you know, Rutgers still had, you know, four minutes to go, and there were probably five other, you know, things that, that, that could have stemmed a tie. I think 2006 is definitely worse than the dunk. I think 2012, you got an argument, and it would have been in the Sugar Bowl. I just want to make sure I have my historical Rutgers ultimate. It could have been the Rose Bowl. It could have been the Rose Bowl uh, because, you know, the, uh, the Rose Bowl people were talking, you know, you know, legitimate, you know, that they were interested in, in, in Rutgers. But, yeah, it would, would have either been – it probably would have been the Sugar Bowl instead of, uh, you know, the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl. Instead, the Texas Bowl. Well, let's not go there. All right, uh, some more questions. Does, uh, does Steve Peichel have to be, bring in an offensive specialist as an assistant? This is, we, talked, we, did, we really didn't dive into this too much, Cratch. Uh, How much blame do you give the decision by, uh, on the bench to go into take the air out of the ball, to go into slow-mo slow moods uh, so early in that game? The fans, I mean, that's that's all the texts and, and things I got after the game from from people who you know were just observers watching. Like, what in the world are they doing? I mean, what do you think, Cratch? Is that is that on coaching? And and would, did someone need to be sitting next to him to say to nudge him and say, no, we got we got to run our offense here? I think. I mean, one like that's just kind of what they do normally, you know, end a game. They try to slow it down. I, I would say the blame for me was not so much slowing it down, but it was like when Houston had got to like four or something, you know, five, you're like, okay, we were up nine. Now it's been cut in half. Maybe we should readjust. I thought that was, it wasn't so much starting to take the air out of the ball, but it was keeping with that approach. They should have at some point said, okay, we got to start attacking now. So, yeah, sorry. How do you feel? I didn't. I didn't think. I really didn't think it at the time because they had so many opportunities. I was thinking, you know, why? Why can't they get a rebound? I just. I just feel like I'm watching it in real time. Like, you know, this like Houston was two feet above them on every play, getting the rebounds at the end of that game. Um, did you think they took the bit yeah. out of the ball too soon? I think two things. I think maybe uh, Pipel, uh knows his team a whole lot better than the fans or, or us. I think he might have looked at his team and said they were done. They were spent. Um, yeah. You know, they was too n- nice after. You know, he knows his team pretty well. I think uh, he, he, you know, five minutes in the game, he walked over to me and said, you didn't see any path uh, to, to Rutgers win that game. Houston was a very talented team. That's a Final Four team. The fact that Rutgers had made that run and got ahead of them um, is a credit to you know, how, you know, how they defended. Defense takes a lot of energy out of you. Uh, Rutgers you know, did an amazing job you know, on, on, on the boards in, in, in the first half, not so well in, in the second half. I think he thought that they were spent. And I think you, you know, that's you know, the reason why I think he tried to take the air out of the ball you know, at that point. I think, I think he just you know, he had a good uh, read on his team at that point. We have a lot of comments about about the offense this season and just the way the offense is run and and, and the lack of creativity and a lot, lack of movement in it. I, I, one one texter had a long long string of comments about it, and I'm sorry, I'm going to paraphrase. It's hard to read all of them, but just you know, watching some of the games this year, watching the tournament game with BYU and the way you know the ball is just constantly moving. You know, whereas Rutgers, you're looking at a lot of ISO, a lot of standing around. Cratch, is there something to be said for this? That this, that if this off season, and as they're evaluating what this program's doing, you know that you're playing. This is a team that knows how to play defense. You know this is a team that knows how to rebound. Is, is there something different they need to do, just in general, when they start over next year? So, I, my understanding is, and sorry, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not. Like Carl Hobbs is like the offensive guy. Now, look, Steve Peichel and it's not get like Carl Hobbs is not leaving his staff, but. If Carl Hobbs does get a head coaching job, and it seems like, you know, I think he was in a, running for the Howard job last offseason, like he is interested in, in being a head coach again. I think at that point, yes, it might be smart for Pykele to go outside of the program and find a like find his Sean Gleason. Like I, I do think now I don't think that really happens much in basketball. I, I think it happened at Michigan, where kind of I, the guy. So, last name starts with a Y. It's on the tip of my tongue. But Beeline kind of brought him in. He fixed the Michigan offense, and they took off. I do think there is some value to that. I, I just think that they're not going to get, like, an outside hire unless I think Carl Hobbs gets a head coaching job. Right. Well, that's the other part of that is – yeah, go ahead, Charles. I'm sorry. Yeah, ball movement and, and offense is predicated on personnel. And the thing that's missing from Rutgers and missing all year was, you know, a, a stretch four. And it's the hardest – 
position to recruit in you know in college basketball, but you know they just were were so uh, they they had guards and, and and they didn't have enough uh, guys who who could get onto the wing and and you know that that's what it's predicated on. Like you you, know, you have guys who are slashers or shooters and you don't have enough. You 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 needed a stretch for a guy who can you know spread the defense on the wing, and that's what they were missing. Another question about that. We've seen meltdowns like last night before, most recently against Minnesota. What do you think the problem is? Is the moment too big for the players or dot, dot, dot? Uh, you know, and this is, a, this is a good point. I mean, I, I, you know, I mentioned earlier that I was really surprised they lost this game. Maybe I shouldn't have been. You know, we've seen these kind of things where they have a lead, uh, you know, and, and it, it evaporates. Cratches, there's, is it too big for the? I mean, are we missing something here? Why have they not? Why have they not traditionally been able to put their feet on the like foot on the throat of an opponent? I don't think it's that the moment's too big for them because I mean, you know, like they beat Clemson, you know, like they beat Clemson, you know, they yeah. kind of weathered that. They don't. It's not like they always collapse. It's not like they were the Giants a, a couple of years ago, like where they would blow a ten point lead in the fourth quarter and lose like every game. They sometimes they win the game, you know, sometimes they hold on. No, I mean, I, I think maybe like poor free throw shooting. This is just a weird feature of this team that they got away with at other times, and it finally kind of came back to get them. All right. Uh, but they never go. even they, they, they never even got to the line in the second half. They, 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 yeah, that too. I mean, throw. so you know, it, you know, it, 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 you, you nail on the head. They, they they beat Clemson, you know, with, with, on a on almost a you know the immaculate deflection as it was called on the message board. They got to give give the credit. You know, they they beat Clemson, you know, and and they made clutch plays. So you know, again, we're talking about a Houston team that was just better. You know, and, yeah. and again. Look, Rutgers had a 10-point lead. I, there's no getting around that. They had a nine-point lead with four minutes to go in the game. Yeah, you, you should win that game. But um, I think, you know, you got to give a little credit to the opposing team at that point, too. All right, here's one more on basketball. What happens to recruiting and scholarship numbers if, for example, all seniors decide to return next year? Uh, you know, we don't, obviously, Jacob Young's leaving. Uh, Cratch, do you have any idea what the numbers are there? And, and, and uh, is there a concern that they would have uh, some odd men out? I think it, for next year, it's going to be like a one-year spike, like with football, and then it, the right. problem is going to be what happens on the back end. Yeah, you know, but but basketball, you know, basketball recruiting, I think, is so different from football in the sense that you know there are always you know one or two like walk-on guys who get a scholarship who can, you know, but that's a year-to-year thing, and it's also just strange in the sense that recruiting, it's it seems like we don't really have this big buildup with, with the recruits like we do with football. You know, it's almost like, like when Caleb McConnell committed Rutgers is like, who is this guy? Oh, like they have a commit. Like a lot of that stuff kind of happens under the radar. So I think it's a concern, but I think Pykel is probably, it, it, he's a little bit more flexible than I guess Shiano would have with, with so, with so much fewer on the roster. And finally, any news on football spring game attendance? I love it. Someone, someone else, someone out there is like, yeah, basketball, whatever. Right? When's the spring game, and can I go? <laughs> There's a fan who's who's got things in perspective. Cratch, are we going to be able to see the spring game in person? Anything about that? So here's the situation with that. Obviously, the the governor's order. You could have, I think right now, like about seven, 8,000 people at SHI Stadium. No issue. The problem is the Big Ten. Okay. The Big Ten has a moratorium on all general attendance at uh, all their campus sporting events. So the expectation was that when they announced they were going to allow fans of the Big Ten tournament, that that was their the off-ramp. They were going to kind of hand the um, – and the, the, the local – basically home rule, in effect, to use the term. Yeah. They were going to allow the campuses to use their local guidelines and policies and allow people in. Now, baseball had opening day on Friday. They said no one can come. So that they're still up. The Big Ten still has not given the go-ahead to have fans in the stands. Now, I do think that as spring games start to be played, that might be the moment where – they say, you know, okay, we're going to have to let this go. I mean, I can't imagine Ohio State is going to 
want to have a spring game in an empty stadium and uh, you know definitely you know, Nebraska other schools so my guess is that in the next couple of weeks you'll see the Big Ten kind of say we're now deferring to the local campuses and that there will be fans in this. I don't know if Rutgers is going to go full 15 percent or whatever it is at that point but I do think the Big Ten will take the you know will let them allow them to do that going forward. All right. Thanks for your question. As always, everyone uh, appreciated, much appreciated. Let's dive into a few other things before we sign off. Uh, the Rutgers women are about to play in eight minutes, so we can't uh, talk about that. They have BYU. Um, we'll know you by the time you listen to us, you will know if they have advanced to the next round. Kratz, you were in St. Louis for, you know, what turned out to be, I think, uh, a surprising or memorable. I mean, were you, did they uh, exceed, the wrestlers, did the wrestlers exceed your expectations? Uh I would say it was about what I expected. You know, I, they had three All-Americans. I, I thought you just swap out Mike Van Brill and Jackson Turley. I thought they were going to have three All-Americans. Uh, they finished, I think, tied for 13, you know, top 15, which is what I expected. You know, I, I think a weekend ended in a little bit of a damper because Turley gets hurt, has to default out, only takes eighth. And then, you know, Paz and Rivera both lose, you know, obviously losing the semis, you know, and, and losing the, in the consolation final. So they both take fourth. Obviously I think that Rutgers would, you know, have a little bit more buzz if there was a, a third place finisher there, or if John Paz, you know, John Paz Anson came really close to making the national final. I think Sebastian Rivera, you know, it was close to, you know, obviously struggled against Tariq Wilson in his consolation final, but, you know, Paz was very close to making the final and very close to taking third. I think that when you go out of this season, they're going to be good next year. You know, Rivera's coming back. They've got a lot of youth in there. This future is bright. And I really think John Poznanski has ability. He could be a two-time national champion, which is something they've never had. I mean, he is the, he is the real deal. He is the next homegrown superstar for this program. And that was probably the most important thing that for to come out of that weekend by far, I imagine, right? You know, to have that next generation guy. Oh, no doubt. I mean, he he yeah. is a guy who's going to be able to follow right in Anthony Ashnell's footsteps. I mean, he, he as a true freshman, a kid who was going to redshirt until the free year came into effect, yeah. he had, you know, by the stats, by the facts, a better, you know, freshman year than Anthony Ashnell. Wow. Is that, that right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. Anthony – took uh i believe he was fifth at the big tens took eighth at the national tournament made the national quarterfinals pause took fourth third big tens made the national semifinals so great yeah lacrosse big victory over johns hopkins i guess it's not as big as that used to be beating johns hopkins i thought i always thought that they but uh they were only ranked 15th lacrosse is ranked sixth um what does that change the trajectory of this team can we just can we just pencil them in for the NCAA tournament finally we can't just because the it's only like 17 teams, but they are on oh path. Okay. They're on path. So. That has to happen this year, though, right? We can it, agree. It, I, yeah, if it doesn't happen this year, I mean, when is it going to happen? Right, so, right. Uh, just, I, we have to talk about this. The NCAA is the most comically inept, incompetent operate. It, it's like, what the hell were they thinking? Like they are the dumb, some of the dumbest people on the face of the earth must work for this organization. But you just, this is a blank. I mean, where you, this is the great part about this rant is I don't even know which direction. There's so many different things. Where That's what I'm saying. With so first right off, let's, first off, going. let's start with the men's bubble. Okay, they, you know, they've planned this thing like D-Day. And they lose 10% of their officials on the first day because, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, like, how do you have Ted Valentine walk into the JW and you don't have his hotel ready when this is a bubble? Like, come on. Like, I yes, like those guys, you know, everyone, like, don't blame the officials. So they walk in a hotel, they have no room and no food. Like, what do you want these people to do? Yes, they went, you know, like, in, like, and like, you, you don't have a good box lunch. I mean, you, you're telling me that all these restaurants in Indianapolis yeah. that have been hurting couldn't put together a good meal to give these kids. You know, you said like they can't walk outside. Go to the minor league ballpark and play bat. Like, what Division One men's basketball players like? Oh yeah, we like. I'm gonna go play badminton in a minor league baseball field. Like. <laughs> Just so stupid. But the women's, I'm sure where you're heading with oh. this, is the, the disparity and the women, between the women. I mean, women dis and, yeah. disparity is disgraceful. And it's just like, you just, they just don't care. Right. And that's the bottom line. Like, no one could have looked at this thing, you know, and said, oh, like, this is good. Like, like 
a yoga mat and a couple of dumbbells just amazing which goes yeah. to show you that they didn't even think about having a weight room and they were like hey like it kind of launched now what, what you got in there guys like now, well, well sergeant and i were talking about this it's funny i i thought that we when they were having the discussion they had like two months of meetings about how to, to stage the men's tournament and then finally like some second level intern in the back of the room <laughs> raised his hand and goes uh, okay, uh, what, what about the women's tournament? Are we, and they're like, oh, shoot. We got, you know, and then they, that's when they start. It was such an afterthought for them that they just, you know. The, the, it, and the funny part about this, and I, you know, we, we you know, didn't get a chance really to press see Vivian Stringer about it. Uh, her answer was kind of balanced about it. She thought it would be, it would bring more attention to the disparity, and she hoped that it would bring, it would lead to more programs getting what Rutgers has, which is equal, a, a practice facility that has equal, equal as to the men in every single way. And that's the way it should be. No, no doubt. And I'd say like, I saw this on Twitter, you know, and we experienced this like Andy Mills, who's the best sports photographer, you know, in America was not at the NCAA tournament. He was not with me in St. Louis because the NCAA said because of COVID restrictions, they couldn't credential him, which is fine. I understand. But then the NCAA doesn't even have like, they're like, Oh, we don't have, we can't get a photographer at these women's basketball games. And these games aren't necessarily shot by the wire. So it's like, there's no photos of these games. And it had the same thing with wrestling. They had like 60, like, like 66 photos from the entire national wrestling tournament when they're not letting independent media outlets send their photographers in. But we have photos of like every, every, every play at the men's basketball tournament. It's just like, Come on. And then if I'm be like, oh, like we were sorry. We didn't, like what? No, you just didn't care. Yep. Like there's no way that Dan Gavitt thought this was a good, a good thing. This is going to work. They constantly have to be shamed into doing the right thing. And it, it's enough is enough. And at some point, you know, it's the schools too. The NCAA is made up of these schools and it's, it's like enough is enough. And you know what? I you know I don't think we're gonna see it because it's really hard to pull together. But you know, there's all talk about like, delaying a game in the, in the bubble or boycotting a game. You know what I think would do the most impact if a team like and you could never ask these kids like a team like North Texas or Oral Roberts, where that unit TV money is so important to their conference that uh, uh-uh, we're, we're not getting on a court today. Wow, that's that would what would change it because all yeah. of a sudden if if you know the the summit league was like, Oh, that, that $1.4 million nut that like is going to keep everything going. Oh yeah. All the bonuses for all the muckety mucks. And the, no, we're not doing that. That is when things would change because the big East, the, the big conferences, they can weather that stuff. They can work around it. But if a mid major said, no, we're going to deny this payday for this conference. That's when it would change. Cause there's a lot more of the little guys than there are big guys. All right. Well, I think we've covered everything we possibly can cover this week. Sarge, where are you at now? Have you driven I, off the road? I, no, I'm still on the road. I'm, I'm uh, I guess, pretty, uh, pretty close to Harrisburg. Oh, wow. Okay. We killed a lot of time on this bo- podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So glad we can help. You know, I, I, I know Rutgers isn't, you know, but I mean, I'm sure there's other Rutgers sporting events over the course of the week. You down for a road trip? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be Indianapolis. What do you think? Yeah, like, I'm not. No? Yeah, 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 I'm gonna have to take a hard pass on that one, Sarge. I think hard you'd have a pass. hard time getting Politi to make a trip to like, you know, Cranford right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a great point. Yeah, oh man. All right. Well, again, everyone. I, we, you know, it's just a, we we were hoping we could have a week full of content. Uh, we were planning our stories, what we were going to write about, what we we're going to talk about for what would have been a fun week for uh, for Rutgers in the Sweet Sixteen. Didn't happen. I don't know what we'll be talking about when we get back in in a couple of weeks. Some spring football, some lacrosse, some you know whatever it might be. But we'll still be here, and we thank you for listening. Steve Plitty signing off. Thank you to Devco, as always. Keith Norton for the great introduction. Sarge and Cratch. We'll be back next week. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com insider.